You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. Before we head into our next segment, I want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can find you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows, submit a prayer intention, nominate your favorite priest for donuts, and more. Be sure to check it out at realpresenceradio.com. It's pretty incredible website. Uh, they've done a fantastic job with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited. Uh, we're, we're moving into our next segment now, and we're joined by Dr. Greg Popchak, a very familiar uh, name and voice to our listeners. Thank you, Dr. Popchak, for being on with us this morning. Terrific to be here. Thank you. Well, as I said, Dr. Popchak, um, listeners are probably uh, familiar with, with you and the work that you do, but briefly, could you tell us a little bit about the, what you do with uh, Catholic counselors helping families? Um, sure. So you know, since 1999, um, Lisa and I have directed the Pastoral Solutions Institute at CatholicCounselors.com, which is a Catholic telemental health practice. We uh, have a, a, a team of uh, 14 therapists that uh, they are all trained in pastoral counseling um, and uh, do Catholic integrated counseling with couples, families, and individuals around the world. And of course, we also host More to Life Radio, which is on EWTN every day from uh, 10 to 11 Eastern, 9 Central. Uh, and then we also direct an organization called the, pa- the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, which uh, focuses on fostering family well-being and family spirituality. And I have to say, uh, Dr. Popcheck, the uh, the Peyton Institute, uh, you had put on a series of webinars this past summer for family life directors, diocesan family life directors, and you laid out in that series this vision of family life as a liturgy, and uh, yeah. it was it's captivating, honestly. And so I'd I'd love to have you. Kind of explain that a little bit. How how is family life a liturgy? Sure, that 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 sounds really kind of strange to think of it that way, and maybe a little 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 you know irrelevant to everyday life. But it actually has everything to do with with us getting the most out of family life. So, especially as Catholics, liturgy is a word that means uh, public worship, a public act of worship, mm-hmm. right? So you might think, well, how does family life a public act of worship? Well, you know, when 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 we try to do everything we do as a family. Uh, and bring a little bit of God's love into it. You know, whether we're paying the bills or washing the dishes or or changing diapers or doing any you know any of the other stuff that we have to do as families, if we try to intentionally bring a little bit of God's love into it, that becomes a public act of worship. We're honoring what God's intention is for the way we treat each other in the home. We're witnessing to the world of what a difference our Catholic faith makes in our relationships, and we're experiencing. God and our faith in the home as the source of the warmth in the home, right? So the idea of family life itself being a liturgy um, is, is the idea that, that grace is present in our homes, and that by being intentional about how we do what we do and trying to bring God's love into those things you know, in a meaningful way, we allow God to become part of Christ to become part of our family life every day and experience our faith as a really transformative a factor in our lives as a family. Hmm. Well, I, I just love that correlation because uh, 
for my husband and I, you know, our raising our kids has just been the, the greatest gift that God could have given us, you know, and in our house, being a house of joy, being a house of prayer, being a house of, you know, just working together, kind of going with that Benedictine code, aren't mm. they? Uh, you know, pray, worship, yeah. and wor- or work. And, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, um, it's just so important to, to have that holy home. Yeah. Well, and another piece of this idea of liturgy is that, you know, it, liturgy is, a, for Catholics, is, it has a specific sort of meaning. And so liturgy is a kind of worship that God uses to heal the damage that sin does to our relationships. So, for instance, the liturgy of the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, through the liturgy of the Eucharist, God heals the damage that sin does to our relationship with Him, and it makes communion and gives us the grace to make communion with others possible, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the liturgy of domestic church life, what we're talking about here, the liturgy of the family, is a way that God uses family life to heal the damage that sin does to human relationships at the very root. You know, our church teaches us that uh, the family is the building block of society, and, and that, that the church even is a family of families, as Pope Francis has said. So, you know, when when we treat each other in selfish or sinful ways in our home, we're undermining mm-hmm. society. We're undermining the church. We're undermining the kingdom of God. But by, by trying to intentionally bring God's love and grace into our interactions throughout the day, into the way we do the things we do throughout the day, we are working with God's grace in this liturgy of family life to heal the damage that sin does to our relationships, to human relationships at the very root of society, yeah, uh, and so it's a very, a very powerful thing here that the, you know, Saint John Paul referred to marriage as the primordial liturgy. You know, back when God said to Adam and Eve, "Go forth and multiply," and He He gave them to each other, that marriage became kind of the, the 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 basis and the model for every other sacrament and every other liturgy, and and so family is kind of the primordial liturgy that that God uses to try to draw people closer to each other and to Him. And then everything else the church does support, is meant to support that, really. I, one of the things that you and uh, Lisa talked about in the webinar series, Dr. Popcheck, that just blew my mind, uh, it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have, because it's something that I should, I should have thought about before. But no, but you, it's hidden in plain sight, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you talked about how you know, we speak about the, the, the ministerial priesthood, right? That, that the, the bishops and the priests and, and the ministers of the church um, uh, celebrate and, and that they, they serve through this ministerial priesthood, but that we all acknowledge that in our baptism we are ordained priest, prophet, and king, that there's right. the common priesthood of the faithful. Yes. And you made the point that um, that we don't really ever talk, or we, it seems like we never talk about what is the liturgy of the common priesthood. And, right, yeah, yeah, and we do, you know, we, you know, we, we, you know, to the degree that anybody knows that, you know, that, that there's the common priesthood, right. um, you know, we, we kind of learned it as this sort of esoteric intellectual concept and maybe, you know, religion class or, you know, something at some point or another. Oh, yes, we have a threefold vision of prophet, priest, and king. And then that's all we ever think about it. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, the, the, the priesthood is intimately tied to liturgy, right? And that's why, so, for example, we celebrate on Holy Thursday the institution of the priesthood and the institution of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. because the priesthood makes no sense without the liturgy, and liturgy makes no sense without a priesthood. But we talk about this common priesthood of the laity, and, and, in, and in fact, you know, one way of kind of looking at it is to say that, that every baptized Catholic has the same spiritual authority as, for example, a, a Protestant minister, right? Because their, their ministry is just rooted in baptism, 
it, it's not in apostolic succession. So, you know, the common priest of the laity actually is has real spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. But what's the liturgy that the common priesthood is, is attached to, if it doesn't make any sense to talk about uh, liturgy without priesthood and priesthood without liturgy? Well, we argue that the liturgy that is, uh, that is appropriate to the common priesthood is the liturgy of domestic church life. And so just as the ministerial priest uh, consecrates the, body, the, the bread and wine into the precious body and blood of Christ, we, in our common priesthood, through the liturgy of domestic church life, consecrate the whole world to Christ mm-hmm. by, by taking that Eucharistic grace home and allowing it to transform our relationships and the way we relate to each other in the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just fantastic. I just think that the more we can be so much more intentional when we realize that role we have in the common priesthood and, and to be more intentional about our domestic churches, about our, our little houses of worship of God, you know, right. in our yeah. homes. Yeah. The Second Vatican Council did um, did a great work of, of yeah, what would you say, empowering um, and sending on mission the laity. That, that, that it's no longer... This notion, and it never really, really should have been or was, that the notion that the only people that are in, engaged in building up the church are the ordained and the religious, right? But I think there, there was um, the, the Second Vatican Council really exploded the, the idea that, um, that we as faithful are called, as you said, to be kind of the ones that consecrate the world to Christ, that the, the parish isn't necessarily the, the epicenter of evangelization. Instead, it should be our homes, that well, are right, yeah, situated yeah. So, right so around the, our neighbors. The Catholic theology of church is it, it very different from the way we actually live church. Unfortunately, the, the way our, our practical theology of church, the way we actually do it, mm-hmm. is completely backwards. You know, the, 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 if you read about the theology of church, it, it says exactly what you said, right? That the, the parish exists to empower domestic churches mm-hmm. to go bring Christ to the world and evangelize. Unfortunately, our practical experience is the parish is actually... The center—it's almost like a black hole that sucks up all of our energy, <laughs> and it becomes—it becomes totally internally focused. Mm-hmm. That's why we're terrible as Catholics at evangelizing because it's all about let's go to the parish, let's go to the parish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not picking on parish life. Don't get me wrong; the parish is absolutely essential and critical to building communion as 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 a Catholic family. But it's supposed to be the other way around, where the parish exists to build up the domestic church, so the domestic church can go out and bring Christ to the world. Amen. Um, Amen. And that's that. In fact, Pope uh, Saint John Paul talked about that in, in Familiars Consortio as well. So you know, our our the, the, our actual lived ecclesiology is completely backwards from the mm-hmm. way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And this model of liturgy of domestic church life and understanding that our common priesthood is tied to that liturgy, and that's what enables us to consecrate the world to Christ. I think helps to to challenge that kind of clerical bias that the only people who matter in the Church are the ordained class, and that the rest of us just kind of take what we can. You know, we're, we're meant, as common priests, to go and do the real work of evangelization and, and building the Kingdom of God, and the ministerial priesthood exists to support us in that effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to add to that, though, when we're at Mass, we're not to leave early because that final blessing mm-hmm. is so important to help us go out and serve the world. Right. And I love, uh, I love this vision because this is not a coup where we're trying to take over the parish, no. right? This, no, is, no, no, no. this is precisely that we're trying to take what the parish is giving us. You talk about how they give us Jesus, that the, the priests give us Jesus, and we're supposed to bring Jesus into the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So right now, I, I think a lot of us 
un- unintentionally, unconsciously have a kind of a vending machine mentality toward the sacraments. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that we need the sacraments, and so we go to our parish to get the sacraments, and it's like we take our, you know, our, our, our grace pill, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. and then we just go on with our lives. But it's really what it's supposed to be is we receive that grace, and it's like a, a candle that we bring out into the world, and we're intended to set the world on fire with that spark that we receive when we go to the Church. And so, you know, the the, the emphasis is not to, like you said, to take a to, to make a coup or something where we take over. The, it's, it's to see the relationship between the parish church and the domestic church in a new way mm-hmm. that allows both to function better. Absolutely. Because right now, the way it works is that poor, the poor priests, you know, we have fewer of them than ever, and we have more demands on them than ever, and fewer resources than ever. They can't do everything. They can't be everything for everybody, but we keep expecting them to be. And then we get, you know, then we get surprised when they burn out. Right. In the model that we're talking about, you know, today on the show, it's, it's, it's very clear about what the, the pastor's role is versus what the domestic church's role is. And if we can adopt this model... Parishes can do more with less because we've got more people coming to do the work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like if we had our body and we tried to make our head write all the bills and walk us from one location to another and do everything that the, the whole body is supposed to do, right? That the, That's right. Uh, so we're going to have to take a quick break here. But on the other side, I really want to continue on this conversation because I think this is absolutely fascinating and I love it. So stay with us. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio will host Dr. Ray Garendi as keynote speaker of our virtual fundraising banquet on Thursday, December 10th. We hope you can join us. Dr. Ray speaks on many topics concerning the Catholic faith, apologetics, and family life. He is host of The Doctor Is In, which can be heard weekdays on RPR. For more information or to register, go to realpresenceradio.com slash banquet or contact Jessica at 877-795-0122. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo, parishioner of Saints Anne and Joachim Church in Fargo. I'm excited to share with you the launch of Lumen Vision, providing eye care for the whole family, including eye emergencies, vision therapy, and routine exams. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eyes of Faith, a frame company that prints scripture verses on the inside of each frame. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. 
You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And we're back. This is Brad Gray and Janine Bitson. We're having an awesome conversation with Dr. Greg Popcheck about the liturgy of domestic church life, a vision that, that Greg and Lisa have been laying out. Um, and it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm so excited about what you guys are sharing, Dr. Greg. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons is, you know, certainly I'm a family life uh, director for uh, the, the Diocese of Fargo. But the thing that enthusi- enthuses me the most about this is the vision for my own family. The, the way that I see I can take this in and make my family healthier, stronger, holier, you know, more deeply connected. Um, as you lay out this liturgy of domestic church life, there are a few rites that you identify in terms of what is that liturgy? What does it contain? Um, what are those rites and where do they come from? Sure, yeah. So, so right, R-I-T-E. You know, every liturgy is built up of, of, of different rites. They're like the building blocks of liturgy. So the liturgy of the Eucharist, you have the... Uh, the, the the penitential rite. You have the fraction rite. You've got the communion rite. The you know the rite. You know those kinds of different rites. Well, the liturgy of domestic church life is made up of three rites. There's the the rite of Christian relationship, the rite of re, uh, family rituals, and then the rite of reaching out. And and each one of those rites is tied to one of the three baptismal missions. So, the rite of Christian relationship helps us exercise our priestly mission um, by challenging us as families, to give up the selfish and sinful ways that we treat each other and learn to love each other with Christ's love, that, that sacrificial love that, that, that a, the Christian priesthood offers. Um, and, and that involves doing things like, simple things, right? Like making family time a priority, right? And that's hard to do. But when we mm-hmm. do that, that's a sacrifice that we make that, that does bring more grace into our lives and helps us draw closer to each other and to God by prioritizing family life over other activities. Uh, having, making, being intentional about being generously and appropriately affectionate with each other. You know, Christ's love is embodied. It is. It does, he doesn't just love us in his in his mind. He doesn't love us from a distance. He he became one of us so he could be present to us. And so we need to be physically present to each other. You know, research shows that only seven percent. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, only seven percent of kids get the amount of affection they need for their social brains to grow. Uh, as as strong as they need to. Mm. Uh, so we need to do a lot more to ramp up the affection and affirmation in our homes. I'm using gentle approaches to discipline as another uh, exercise, another practice in that right of Christian relationship, where we you know, use the example of, for example, St. John Bosco, who whose preventive method of, of discipline focused on teaching and mentoring as opposed to punishing and shaming. Uh, so those kinds of things under the right of Christian relationship. There's the, the second right is the right of family rituals, which draws its uh, power from the, the baptismal mission of the prophetic mission, right? So what does a prophet do? You know, a prophet calls people to live in godly ways. Well, when families have strong rituals for working, playing, talking, and praying together, they model Christian attitudes toward work and leisure and faith and relationship. And, and so by witnessing to those Christian attitudes in the way we relate to each other as a family, by working and playing and talking and praying together consistently, we're living out that prophetic mission of our baptism. And the third right is the right of reaching out, which is drawing its power from the royal mission of baptism, which, which teaches us that to reign with Christ is to serve with Him. So this right looks at how families first serve each other generously, that we work as a family to try to make sure that 
you know, we, we leave the person that we found happier than we found them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that we're looking for little ways to, to be generous and consistent and, 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 um, and prompt uh, and, and, and cheerful in our service to each other in the home and in the, to the people that we meet in the world. You know, so it's not just doing family service projects in the community or in the parish. That's certainly a part of it. But the three, three other practices that we recommend under this right of reaching out mostly have to do with either serving each other in the home more generously or finding ways to be generous to others while we're still at home. So, for example, practicing hospitality and inviting people to share fellowship in our home or you know, you, uh, taking the gently used clothes or toys or other things that we have and, and remembering that those aren't just to be thrown away when we're done with them, but, but given to our other brothers and sisters who might need them. Um, you know, little things like that where we are consistently thinking of others even while we're being a family at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fabulous. I, the, as I've said, the, what you're laying out, it's like, oh, I want this in my family. That, that, and I like how with the right of reaching out, I think the, for many of us, the initial inclination was like, okay, how can we look outside the family to right. the people around us? And, and you really focus the lens first on within the family. How do I reach out to the people that I live with that are, that are most closely entrusted to me? How do I love my closest neighbor? Mm-hmm. You know, if you love your neighbors, we, we do. You know, we run into a lot of people who have a great heart for service, but it all is service in the church and the community, mm-hmm. and their their spouse and kids are starving to death. Yeah. yeah, you know, genuine service has to begin at home. You know, there's a difference between a, an ethos of service, which is rooted in that genuine desire to love the people around me that God has placed in my life. Um, uh, you know, as best I can, versus maybe an ethic of service, which is I, w- I want to go prove to God and everybody else, you know, how, what, a, what a great servant I am. You know, that, that's not real Christian service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, genuine Christian service has to begin with how we take care of each other at home and then wanting to share that generosity with other people that God places in our lives. Oh, amen to that. It's just so important that we can get so busy with things outside of the, the walls of our house. And, and we need to just, if there's one thing in this whole COVID-19 situation, I hope that families are just reconnecting with each other in such a powerful way as priest, prophet, and king, just like you're speaking of with the domestic church and the, and the rights of the litur- liturgy of the domestic church. Mm-hmm. And the more we do those things, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people on the radio program and my clients who will say, you know, I, I just don't feel like I've got a great prayer life. You know, I, I had a great prayer life before I got married and had kids, and now I just don't have time, and I, I just feel so separated from God. This liturgy of domestic church life lets you take all the stuff you're already doing as a family, but do it more intentionally mm-hmm. so that you can experience God in your home all the time. So that, that you know, St. Saint, uh, Teresa of Calcutta, said, when you wash the dish, don't wash the dish to, to wash the dish. Wash it so that you can show the person who uses that dish how much you love them. Mm. You know, it's that kind of attitude. You know, to be able to think about all the little stuff that I do in a family, like, that, I, that usually I just try to push through because I want to get it done. You know, to, to, to think about it as, you know, how can I use this to glorify God or show the people around me that, that God loves them yeah. and that God's loving them through me? That's a powerful spiritual exercise, and that transforms everything at home and allows me to, to make Jesus another part of my family and experience the faith as the source of the warmth in my home. And it's such a wonderful opportunity to show gratitude to God that you have Absolutely. that dish yeah. to wash. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just such a special thing. Or that article of clothing that continuously finds the bathroom floor. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, how blessing is that? I mean, it is blessing. I like, uh, but, Dr. Popchak, how you, you kind of talk about this. It's not like we need to do more things. It's not like we need to, you know, take on these other things to be this, this to have this liturgy of domestic church. It's to do what we're doing better. I mean, with more intentionality, to do it in, more fruitfully um, and to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Experience the, the fruit of that and the joy of that. Yeah, and again, you know, a lot of us really dismiss all the stuff that goes on in our family. We think that working on our family relationships is somehow selfish because it mm-hmm. just benefits us, or or that the people in our house don't matter, so I have to go find people to serve who do matter. And that that's missing out on 98% of our life that God mm-hmm. wants to use to make right. us holy. Right. You know, we can't just dismiss that 98% of everyday life and all the people that God has put in because we, we think that these other people or other things are more important. It's, you know, we're missing out on, on, on what's hidden in plain sight, the opportunities that God wants to use to help us become everything He created us to be and draw us into deeper communion with Him and others. Well, that is truly beautiful. And uh, from a mom, a stay-at-home mom that, you know, sacrificed a career to, to really just put everything I could into my kids. And um, I know that not all women can do that. And some women are the, the providers for their family. And and my son, uh, oldest son, he's actually the stay-at-home dad and doing a fantastic job. You well, know? I want to be clear, too, that this liturgy of domestic church life, you know, when we start talking about stuff like this, you know, domestic church, and this, you know, there are some... Some people kind of have this Aussie and Harriet idea of, well, this only applies to, you know, that, that, that traditional... Right. But whatever your family looks like, you know, if you're a single parent, if you're a divorced parent, if you're whatever your family looks like, you can still do this, and you can still grow spiritually from it and experience God's grace in it. You are still a domestic church. Exactly. If you are being intentional about living out God's grace in these things and trying to live these rights out the best you can in the household that you've got. And that is exactly where I was going with that, Dr. Greg. And that is so true that, um, you know, families are all different dynamics and um, it is just so important to have that start in the home and that uh, you're not having to seek your importance elsewhere first. That's where you're most needed. Yeah, right I was there. very struck on the webinar this uh, summer that it doesn't matter, urban, rural, um, United States, uh, India, we had people from all over the world on the webinar, and, and everyone was seeing this as applicable to their own life situation. And right. I love that about it. We've got about 30 seconds left, Dr. Popchak. Any final words or thoughts? Yeah, just just that, you know, don't don't feel intimidated by this. You know, it's not a bunch of, it's not just more stuff to do. It's yeah. whatever you're doing, Find ways to do it more for God, and ask yourself, you know, what, you know, what are you doing well, and where would you like to start? We actually have a great uh, on, online discussion on Facebook. If folks would like to join us, it's called Catholic Home. It's spelled H-O-M, stands for Households on Mission. Catholic H-O-M, Family Discipleship, and we talk about uh, how to live this liturgy of domestic church life in whatever your circumstances are. I absolutely love it. I thank you so much for taking the time to be on with us, Dr. Greg. It's uh, oh, it's been a blessing thank for you. sure. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. It was great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, we are going to have to take a quick break, but up next, there is another special Marian feast day beyond the one that we just celebrated, and the hint is today, actually, uh, with uh, St. Juan Diego. Mm -hmm. So coming up after this, we'll be discussing that next Marian feast day here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. This is real news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 